Ladies and gentlemen, prediction time is here again. After a very successful SummerSlam and less than successful TakeOver prediction episode, the Closet Champion is back this time to take on all the action that's happening this Sunday for AEW's All Out. With 10 matches on the card, we've got no time for any riffraff or ballyhoo. Let's get right into it. This is the Closet Champion Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. When I last talked to all you wonderful people, I was making my SummerSlam and TakeOver predictions, did pretty well, went 9-1 uh, and one on SummerSlam. Uh, the only thing that tripped me up was that damn Jinder Mahal. You know, just when you think you can count on a good 80s heel to, to foil the day, and ruin everybody's good time. Uh, Scottish Warrior came through and ruined that perfect prediction. I'm not counting the Becky Lynch match because to me that is uh, that is riffraff and ballyhoo, and as I said, we don't have time for that here. I will go deeper on that when I do my next State of Wrestling podcast. I'm also going to be doing a top 10 WWE-produced documentaries, so if you have any suggestions for me, uh, Hit me up on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. I'm still finalizing that list and getting everything going. For now, we're going to keep it nice and simple. We're just going to go through the 10 matches that are happening this Sunday, September 5th, for AEW's All Out from Chicago. A lot of interesting things here. Of course, we've got the uh, the the build main event of CM Punk and Darby Allen. We'll get to that a little bit later, but. All the titles are going to be on the line. You know, AEW really does a great job with their pay-per-views. They tend to be a little bit predictable, which uh, for someone who cares about their predictions records, I'm certainly not complaining. But uh, we do have a tendency, at least I do, to sort of see the writing on the wall a little bit more with AEW. Whether we're going to get some prizes and some shakeups uh, this Sunday, we'll find out. I'm not thinking there's going to be too many things out of line, but let's just get into it. I want to start with what is actually, to me, the hardest one uh, to call, the hardest match to predict, which is Chris Jericho and MJF. This is really difficult for me because on one hand, everybody wants to see Jericho get his revenge on MJF. He's due to get his revenge on MJF. And I don't think that Chris Jericho is done wrestling. They added a stipulation to this match where if Jericho loses, he retires from AEW wrestling forever. Now, he's got his band. He's been doing commentary. He's getting older. You know, his in-ring time is definitely running down. But is it out? Is it totally dead yet? No way. No chance. 
Um, but here's the thing with pro wrestling. You can lose a retirement match and not have to retire. It's crazy. I know. Wild concept. But it's really just whatever you want to do. It's pro wrestling. The rules don't matter. So that alone is not enough for me to predict Jericho. Jericho needing to get the revenge on MJF is also not enough for me to predict uh, Jericho winning this match. Because across from Chris Jericho is sitting the best heel wrestler that I have seen in 20 years. MJF is on a completely other level. His mic work is insane. His in-ring work is phenomenal. There's nothing that this guy can't do. And for as annoying and obnoxious as he is, there's something that just... You love to hate MJF. There's people that you hate to hate and you want them off your screen. And there's people that you love to hate. There's people that you want to see just get their ass kicked. And MJF is one of those people. But the thing with a great heel is if you really want to see him get his ass kicked and see him lose, you can't have that happen too often. Because if it happens too much, then we're satiated. We're done. Move on to the next thing. You need to feed that hunger, which is a bit of an oxymoron. But you got to feed that hunger. And the best way to do that, to me, is to give MJF another win over Chris Jericho here. It would make him 4-0 all-time against Jericho. And he would get to have that as his forever... Um, identifier sort of the same way that Jericho went around forever and said I beat the rock and Steve Austin in one night it's sort of like the catch-all like whatever else you want to slam Jericho for he can come back and say yeah well mm, that might be true but I beat the rock and uh, Steve Austin in the same night so MJF can do that he can hold that over everybody's heads forever just like how Paul Heyman held Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker's streak uh, and just use that forever and ever and ever long after the Undertaker feud was over. He kept using that. MJF can do the same thing. Whoever MJF gets in a feud with next, he can say, hey, buddy, you might think you're good, but I've beaten Chris Jericho four times, and he's never beaten me. I think this is a great excuse to get Jericho off of TV for a while, or at least off of out of in-ring action for a while. Have him be on commentary. Have him continue his hatred for MJF. He's a babyface now anyway, through and through. So to me, it makes more sense, even though I'd love to see Jericho get his revenge, and I, he deserves it. If I will not be upset if Chris Jericho wins at all. I'll only be upset because I'm predicting MJF. But ultimately, I think this is a a great opportunity to really cement MJF as your top heel because he is your top heel. Kenny Omega is not your top heel. I'm sorry. He's an amazing wrestler, but the top heel in the company is MJF, period. Uh, moving on from a match that's got got me completely excited and buzzed to a match that makes me go, why are we doing this? Uh, that's uh, Paul White formerly known as The Big Show, formerly known as The Giant, formerly known as Paul White, once again known as Paul White. And he's taking on the ever-dangerous QT Marshall, who, uh, yeah. So QT's running the Fear Factory, and if you don't know what the Fear Factory is, don't worry, you shouldn't, because there's nothing really going on with them. This is a, there's a million factions happening in AEW right now. And I'm a faction guy. I love it. More factions, the merrier. Everybody's got friends. Everybody should have someone look out for them. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. And you have 
constant built-in when are they going to break up storylines. So I'm all about the factions. Have 50 of them. That's fine. But if you're going to have all of them, you got to make them mean something and you got to make them relevant. And the Fear Factory is not relevant and the Fear Factory means nothing. Uh, This is, to me, a way of just sort of introducing... Uh, some people to uh, Paul White to the Big Show because if you're a newer fan, you don't you've maybe seen the Big Show in like four matches in WWE and he's lost them all. They haven't used a lot for him. I think eventually, I don't think he's going to fight too often in AEW. Uh, Paul White is certainly not going to be a, a week in and week out performer. You're going to have him come in. You're going to have him do, you know, like the TV specials and the pay-per-views and things like that. But for the most part, he's a background guy. We got to give him a win here just to show everyone this is someone we should take seriously. And this is someone that can win. If this match goes longer than three minutes, I'm going to be pissed because this is squash match booking 101. QT Marshall's been talking shit. He can't back it up. We know he can't back it up. Paul White is the returning good guy monster. We love him. Have him choke slam QT through the mat and have it be over one, two, three. It has to end on a choke slam, though, by the way. If it ends with a stupid knockout punch, I'm going to be very disappointed. I hope the knockout punch does not come back. You can tease it. You can have him go for it and QT ducks it or realizes that it's coming and scampers out of the ring, whatever you want to do. Um, but don't bring that stupid punch back, man. Come on, we're better than that. We're that's we're leaving that in the past. Let's leave that with the big show. Okay, the big show had the knockout punch. The Giant and Paul White, they've got the choke slam. So Giant Giant Paul White wins by a choke slam. Now let's move on to the the death triangle portion of this podcast. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by the Death Triangle. I don't have a cute uh, clever tagline i wish i did i should have for this but i didn't but anyway we got two matches featuring the death triangle we've got andrade versus Pac, and we've got the young bucks versus lucha brothers i'm gonna start with andrade versus Pac because andrade is my boy uh phoenix is my boy too but andrade is uh, a very special place in my heart for andrade uh, i think this is a match of the night contender right here uh i'm not shy about my love for Andrade or my love for Pac. I respect the hell out of both these guys. This should be an absolute barn burner of a match. The buildup for this match to me has been very, meh. It, I don't know. Uh, the language barrier I know is a thing. I don't understand why someone's not talking for Andrade more. I know he needs to get better and you're only going to get better on the mic by doing it. I'm sure he cuts a hell of a promo in Spanish, but in English, he's still a work in project, uh, work in progress, which would be a project. So we're going with it. Pac to me is one of those guys where when AEW first started, I thought Pac was going to be one of the main players. And I think he was supposed to be one of the main players, but injury has plagued him his entire career it is continuing to plague him in AEW this is going to be an all-out five-star match but ultimately I think we've sort of missed the boat on making Pac a, a big singles star I think he's great being part of Death Triangle and I'm fine with him having these individual feuds but looking forward if I have to go if I had to say who are they going to put a belt on first who are they going to give a main event run first 
between these two, it would definitely be Andrade. So for that reason, I think Andrade needs to get the win here. I just hope it's a great match, but he is the hotter hand, and you got to go with the hotter hand. That's Andrade. He's going to pick up the win. Uh, Moving on to the other portion of the Death Triangle uh, segment is the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, man. And oh my God, I like I said, I love Ray Phoenix. I think Ray Phoenix is probably the greatest luchador of all time. I'm putting him, I'm and I'm putting him over Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrera, all the other luchadors that I've expressed love for throughout the course of this show. Ray Phoenix is at the very tippy top of that list. This, if Andrade and Pac is not the match of the night, this is the match of the night. You've got the Lucha Brothers who can do anything and everything. You got the Young Bucks who can do anything and everything. This is like, this is the kind of thing, the kind of match that makes Jim Cornette pull his hair out and makes Dave Meltzer cream his shorts. You know, it's one of those things you either love it or you hate it. It's all the flippy dippy shit. Personally, I love it. I, when it's done well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, I wish people sold more in general. But in for this type of situation, I don't care. I just want to see these guys do high spot after high spot and just blow me away the whole time. I think we're going to get a typical Young Bucks heel victory here. I think we're going to get a lot of interference from other members of the elite. There's going to be a whole bunch of... Um, Ballyhoo, that's the word for the day. It's going to be a whole bunch of uh, extracurricular activities, things going on on the outside, mayhem, bedlam, all the, all those good adjectives. Ultimately, though, I think the Young Bucks are going to hold on to this title until a super team comes around, like a new team that's it's comprised of two individuals, but on their own, they are so huge they're so over they're such big names that when you combine their forces it's sort of like hogan and savage getting together and it's going to be the mega powers i think we need that level of competition in order to take the title off the young bucks and also the longer the young bucks go with the title the better it is for their storyline and for their heel persona because not only do you have you know, them just winning by any means necessary and and getting all the run-in and all the help and all the extra bullshit. But you also have this added layer where we know who the top power players are in AEW, who the shot callers are. And, you know, that original group of Cody, Jericho, Omega, and the Bucks, like that's sort of what this whole thing was built around was those guys. And so knowing that, knowing that they probably have a lot of control, creative control over their own matches, the fact that they keep winning and they keep winning in these, I'm sorry to make the comparison, but in these NWO screwjob bullshit kind of ways, all that does is add on to their image and their legacy. So if you want to get people to continue to hate the Young Bucks, which they do, they've they've got heat, man. The Young Bucks have heat. I think you got to have them keep rolling keep screwing people out of matches, keep winning by bullshit means and a a ton of interference. We're going to get all that today, but the result is going to be the same. At the end of the day, the Young Bucks walk away with the title. Okay, so that was the death triangle portion of this podcast. Let's move on to the women's portion of this podcast. We've got a casino battle royale happening, and of course we've got the... um, the women's championship match between Britt Baker and Chris Statlander. 
I'm not super excited for this match, um, which is a shame because I I think Chris Statlander is fantastic, and I've really come around on Britt Baker. Uh, but I I just I can't get too excited for this because I don't think there's a chance in hell that Chris Statlander I think Chris Statlander has a slightly slightly better chance of beating Brick Baker than QT Marshall has of beating Paul White. That's the level of chance I'm giving her. I'm if QT Marshall has no chance, Chris Statlander has the slimmest of chances. The fact of the matter is Britt Baker is still pretty new in her title run. She's the best female that the company has right now, certainly on the mic, possibly even in the ring too. She's very, very talented. And as much as I enjoy Chris Statlander, and I think this will be a fun match, in reality, storyline-wise, this is just this is a short placeholder chapter in a bigger story that is Britt Baker's title run. I think that ultimately this is just a way of giving her more momentum until we get that really hot feud that is coming. And that hot feud is going to be with the person who's going to win the Casino Battle Royale. So let's segue very nicely into that, say officially Britt Baker retains. But now let's talk about the Casino Battle Royal, baby. Uh, 21 women all fighting for a chance to become the new number one contender and get a future title shot against the champ, which as of right now is Dr. Britt Baker. Given that I just said that Britt's not dropping this title at all out or anytime soon, I think the Casino Battle Royal winner has to be a babyface. So I think we can immediately throw out Penelope Ford, The Bunny, uh, Jade Cargill. While I love all of them, I just don't see them facing Britt Baker for the title after this. It's got to be a babyface. And we've got a lot of good baby faces in here. Ty Conte from uh, Dark Order, uh, Julia Hart from the Varsity Blondes, Big Swole just had a, bit, a great program with her. Thunder Rosa is a really sexy pick here. Uh, we got to be looking at baby faces. She just had a great uh, little feud with Britt Baker uh, in the past. I think she's going to have another feud with Britt Baker in the future, but it's not going to be here. And I do think that ultimately Thunder Rosa is the person that's going to take the title off of Britt Baker. But to me, we we just, it's too soon. We just saw it. And again, if I want, I want Britt Baker losing the title to mean something. So in order for that to happen, she's got to get a series of impressive victories under her belt uh, <laughs> for the sake of the belt. So what I'm looking at here is a surprise return. And it's not a huge surprise. It hasn't been officially announced or anything like that. So I guess technically it would be a surprise. But a lot of people are saying that the 21st entrant in this turn in this uh, battle royal, the Joker spot, is going to go to Ruby Soho. And based on the internet chatter that I've seen, based on the promo videos that she's been putting out, it seems like her return is imminent. It, I don't think this is like, oh, she's putting this out and then like three months later, she's going to appear somewhere. No, she's ready to appear somewhere now. And I think this is a great spot for it. You know, that Joker spot traditionally has given us um, a lot of debuts or returns. Ethan Page debuted and well, that was the latter match. But uh, Adam Page uh, was the surprise entrant for the very first Casino Battle Royal, ended up winning it. They love using that Joker spot for a big surprise and something to really get the crowd to pop. I think that's what's going to happen here. Uh, it's going to be uh, Ruby Soho. I think she's going to get the win. We're going to hot shot that um, that angle. 
And ultimately, I think she'll end up losing the feud with Britt Baker, but they're going to make her look really good. And at least for this night, I think it's all about a, a surprise return from Ruby Soho. And if she does make that surprise return, I think she's got to win. It just it makes too much sense for me. So I'm going to go with Ruby Soho. Um, let's go to now a couple of the title matches. We got Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the TNT Championship. Man, I love both of these guys. I, I admittedly, I knew almost nothing about Eddie Kingston before he finally arrived. I had heard of him, but I, I, I didn't see anything that he did. I just knew that he was like a New York guy and then he had some swag, but man, I have totally fallen in love with Eddie Kingston. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a, it's a great styles clash between him and Miro, where Miro is this very dominant power move kind of guy. Eddie Kingston is a brawler, is he's punches and kicks and working you on the outside, tougher than a $2 stake, so it's not going to be a squash. It's, it, I think it's going to be a match that is almost sort of uh, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, their SummerSlam match, uh, where it was like, John Cena got his ass kicked. Yeah, he got his ass kicked, but he survived a lot. He took everything. It took 16 German suplexes and three F5s or whatever it was. Uh, to keep Cena down. He spent the majority of the time getting his ass kicked, and I think Eddie Kingston is going to spend the majority of his time of the time getting his ass kicked by Miro, but this is not going to be a, a short match. This is going to be a fun match. It's going to go a ways. It's going to be brutal, and it's going to really, really show us just how dominant and strong Miro is. I think this is another one where, like Britt Baker, I think we're looking at a very long title reign for Miro. I think eventually... Um, I don't think Miro should drop the TNT championship until he gets an AEW championship match and they do it title for title. And whether he wins or loses that, I think that's the only way that I would take this title off of Miro. He's just too hot. He's got too much going for him. The crowd loves him, even though they're supposed to hate him. Crowd loves him. As good as Eddie Kingston is and as fun as Eddie Kingston would be with that title and cutting promos, uh, I think he's one of those guys that's better as the chaser, and Miro is definitely one of those people that's better as the champ. So Miro's going to hang on, and maybe he'll eventually go title for title against Kenny Omega, because Kenny Omega is going against Christian Cage for the AEW Championship. I thought it was a brilliant move to have Christian beat Kenny Omega for the Impact Championship. Just so we can go, well, maybe he, I mean, he's beaten him before. He seems to have his number. Maybe he's the foil for Kenny Omega. He's that guy that Kenny can't beat. Uh, yeah, no, Kenny's going to beat him. Um, Kenny was never going to drop his AEW championship to Christian. And like I said, I thought it was a great move to have Christian get the Impact Championship just so there's a little bit of legitimacy to his title match. But there's there's just no way we're doing this. I wish I had some more eloquent, uh, in-depth thing, uh, you know, analysis to give you. But ultimately, it's really that simple. It's Kenny Omega is not dropping this title to anybody that's not named Hangman Adam Page. I thought if you were ever going to do a quick, holy shit, title change with Omega for a short period of time, you would have been much better off doing it with Jungle Boy, a guy that was sort of AEW made. Doing it with Christian just makes no sense to me. I don't see why it would happen. It's not going to happen. Kenny Omega wins. He retains. Let's move on. Uh, We got two more matches. One match that I really don't know what to say. We got uh, Mox versus uh, Kojima. I do not watch any 
Japanese promotions at all. Strong style is not my style. I'll tell you that right now. It's I don't mind it. I respect it, but it just it doesn't move me the way you know technical wrestling or, or lucha wrestling kind of gets me excited. What I will say is Kojima is a name that I've heard before, so at least we've got that. But this seems like it would be a really dumb time to have Mox take a loss. Uh, he he's certainly taken some losses recently, but. He's one of those guys that you got to keep toward the top of your card. Like it's you, you, Mox should always be sniffing near the main event. He should always be in title matches and in the title pitcher. So I think this is an opportunity to build a relationship for AEW and the Japanese promotions. I think Kojima is, is New Japan. Um, I think he's from New Japan, and I know that they're trying to work more with other promotions. This is they've done a lot with New Japan so far already. Uh, I think this is just another way of continuing to build that uh, that relationship and that partnership. But ultimately, it's on the United States soil. If this was in Japan, I'd say, sure, give it to Kojima. But it's in the States. It's in Chicago. Mox is going over. He's got to win. It's going to be a white-hot crowd. When they do that wild thing, it's going to just, oh, it's going to be great. And then finally, the reason we're all here, the, the reason why I spent 50 bucks <laughs> the second that it was announced, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. This is definitely going to be the main event of the night. Uh, it's it's going to, oh my God, the crowd's going to be rocking. It's interesting to me that they had Punk come in and immediately face a baby face, because obviously he's a baby face. It's going to be a great match. We got to have Punk get the win. I, I think it, ends pretty clean i think which we just get a great great wrestling match and cm punk wins and the crowd goes wild and we have a great feel-good moment and everybody's happy the question is is this where we see the debut the AEW debut of either adam cole or daniel bryan brian danielson i guess we should uh call him now uh I don't think so. I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. We're going to get the surprise debut with Ruby Soho, okay? We're going to get that. We just got the Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch surprise, oh my God, return. We just got the CM Punk surprise, oh my God, return. This has been a summer of surprise OMG returns. We don't need another one. Not yet. Not yet, and especially not at the end of this pay-per-view, and I'll tell you why. AEW pay-per-views are special. There's only four of them a year. They keep them unique. They keep them special. They keep them grand. They sell themselves. They really sell themselves. I don't think they have any issue uh, moving pay-per-view buys. And I don't think that having a surprise return at the end of this pay-per-view would make anybody who didn't buy it go, oh man, I should have bought that. I think it's much more effective if you have these surprise returns happen on Dynamite and on Rampage, their TV shows that they're still trying. AEW, the at least Dynamite, it seems that it's really locked right around that million number. It was, it was, it hovered around seven hundred fifty thousand for a long time, and then when NXT changed nights, it really, it actually gave AEW even more of a boost, and they're floating right around a million. I think if you want to get those numbers up, you have surprise returns there because that's where people aren't expecting it. That's what's going to make people go, oh my God, I have to watch this. And then they're going to buy the pay-per-views anyway. 
Like, I don't think anyone's buying this because they think Adam Cole or Daniel Bryan will show up at the end of it. If somebody does return, I think it would be much smarter to have it be Adam Cole because if you're going to go for shock, that would be more shocking just because Daniel Bryan's been done with WWE for a while. Adam Cole, as far as we know, still doesn't have a contract with anybody. So it's a it's more up in the air where he's going to end up. Uh, I said on the Bob Culture podcast, and I may have even said it on uh, my own podcast here, that I think Adam Cole should stay in WWE, take the big payday, um, you know, spend a couple years on the main roster, probably not get used the way he should, but make that money, son. You're only getting older. AEW is not going anywhere, okay? We're, we're hitting now. We're going into the third year with AEW. We're well into year two, at least, I should say that. We're well into year two. It's clear that they've got something that works. If I'm Adam Cole, I'm signing one more WWE contract. I'm getting that million-dollar payday. And then I'll wrap up my career at the very end with my friends over in AEW. Uh, so for all those reasons, I think if there was going to be a shock return, Adam Cole would be the bigger shock. I think Daniel Bryan going to AEW is definitely a matter of when, not if, but when. So that would be the bigger surprise. But officially, I'm predicting that we're not seeing either of those happening. We're just going to see CM Punk victorious in the end, probably shaking Darby Allen's hand, Darbles, as I call him, little Darbles. Uh, I think he, uh, Darbles and CM Punk shake hands, sign of respect in the ring. And then eventually, because I think what we need to see happen after this, because I don't think this is going to turn to a long feud. I don't think Darby Allen and CM Punk are going to have several matches. I think this is going to be their only match. CM Punk, I think after this, should turn his attention to MJF. That is the feud that I'm waiting for. Uh, MJF getting the win over Jericho would perfectly set it up. And, you know, Jericho and CM Punk you know, they had they had great programs in WWE together. Their WrestleMania match, I think, is one of the more underrated WrestleMania championship matches that nobody talks about, and I don't understand why. It's brilliant. So it makes all the sense in the world to have that be a feud, and that's the way I would go with it. We don't we don't need another big surprise. We got plenty to work with. There's so many people on the AEW roster. We don't need to force feed in more people just for some hotshot angle or just to keep people going, oh my God, save that. Let's do that you know, let's do that three, four weeks from now on an episode of Dynamite. You know, let's let's do that on let's do that on the go home show before the next pay-per-view or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's better ways to bring back returns. I think because of John Cena and because of Brock Lesnar, we're now sort of in this mode of expecting every pay-per-view to end with a surprise return. Well that that loses its luster real fast. So let's just enjoy the fact that CM Punk is back. Let's all celebrate and have a good time and end the pay-per-view on a high note. And then if we want to have a surprise return, have it happen on Dynamite or Rampage. I think that's a better use of it. So real quick recap, your winners for AEW Dynamite, uh, AEW Dynamite, AEW All Out. I got MJF beating Jericho, Paul White over QT Marshall, Andrade over Pac, Britt Baker retaining her championship against Chris Statlander. Uh, Moxley is going to get the win over Kojima. I think your Casino Battle Royal winner is going to be a uh, debuting Ruby Soho. 
Miro keeps his TNT championship over Eddie Kingston. Kenny Omega cruises uh, over Christian Cage. The Young Bucks hold on by Hooker by Crook against the Lucha Brothers. And CM Punk defeats Darby Allin. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. As always, hit me up on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. Let me know what you thought of my predictions. Tell me why I'm a genius. Tell me why I'm an idiot. Doesn't matter. As long as you're talking to me, I'm happy. Until next time, I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.